My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Nick Epley is a professor at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, where he teaches the MBA class, Designing a Good Life. His research has been featured by the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, CNN, Wired, and National Public Radio, among others, and has been funded by the National Science Foundation and the Templeton Foundation. He's the author of the book MindWise and was named one of the world's best 40 under 40 business school professors by Poets and Quants. I hope you enjoy learning from Nick Epley, because I always do. Nick, it's so great to chat with you today. I first heard you speak at the Psychology of Technology conference several years ago, and then when I was at Notre Dame, you gave a talk, and we were able to grab lunch together. And if I remember right, you were also a college football player, and you actually look like a college football player, unlike myself. So thanks for coming on today. <laughs> yeah, I was not a big college football player like you were. I was a small college football player, but was a big guy playing <laughs> small college football. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether I would choose to be a prototypical player at a smaller school or a smaller person at a bigger school. Regardless, um, you, you've had an incredible career as a professor, both at Chicago and Harvard. And as you think back on your research, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others? Yeah, so there are two. Um, and I should say that um, that part of the... part of is that we know that these things we're discovering are underappreciated because they, because we, we systematically measure people's expectations to begin with, that is measure their beliefs about how some experience is going to unfold um, and can systematically find places where people's beliefs or the processes that drive their expectations about the world are systematically at odds with reality. So our data, in fact, are documenting the ways in which these effects are underappreciated. And mostly what I'm interested in is, is, is social life. Um, I think other people are the most interesting things we ever think about. We spend all kinds of time thinking about other people. Um, but there are a lot of things we misunderstand about each other. One thing I think we systematically misunderstand is that we underestimate how social other people are. So my first lesson is when in doubt, reach out. It's just unquestionable that one of the most important determinants of people's happiness, their well-being, their health, or the quality of their connections with other people. And yet over and over and over and over again, if you think about the course of, of a day, or if you just look out in the world and watch how people behave, there are lots of opportunities that people have to reach out and engage with each other, to connect with others from um, you know, talking with a stranger out in public somewhere, to grabbing a coffee with an acquaintance at work, to reaching back out to an old friend that you have to talk to in years, to expressing uh, support to someone you know is in need. Lots of opportunities that people have to reach out and connect with each other that they don't take. And one of the reasons that we find that people don't do this is they tend to underestimate how positively their efforts to reach out and connect with others will go. So we underestimate how much we're going to enjoy talking to a stranger. 
having a relatively deep and meaningful conversation rather than shallow chit chat. We underestimate how positively others will respond when you reach out and express gratitude to them or express support or engage in a constructive confrontation with somebody who you're in a relationship with. There's some important thing you have to talk about. And so we find this just over and over and over again. Other people are more social than we think they are. And when we reach out to connect positively with them, it tends to go much better than we think it will. You know, I love this framing of when in doubt, reach out. What a perfect phrase that captures this idea. And this is actually quite timely to me. Uh, my parents were quite social and they did a very good job of reaching out. And I don't know if it was COVID or uh, just getting older, but I, I, I could sense myself like going into more of a bubble these last mm -hmm. five or so years. And just in the last couple of months, I've tried to make the effort to just start reaching out a little more. Mm -hmm. And I can say like I was one of those people that was underestimating, you know, how much it, it would impact me. And and I also love this idea that when people are, are making mispredictions, um, that is evidence of the underestimation of, yes. you know, this underappreciated yeah. um, phenomena. So like talk about a perfect topic for this podcast. Uh, we are underappreciating the impact that um, we can have on other people and ourselves just by reaching out. So I, I love that idea. Yeah. I had a conversation yesterday with um, someone named Phil Andrew. I'm sorry. Um, as I mentioned, while we were warming up for this podcast that I'm in the midst of writing a book. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time doing now is talking to people who spend a lot of time talking to people. And Phil was, uh, uh, an FBI agent for his career. And he got into this, into this line of work. He was also a hostage negotiator with the FBI. And he got into this work in part because he was taken hostage as a kid when he was 20 years old a mass shooter, um, one of the very first, uh, Lori Dan in 1988, uh, walked into his house after going on kind of a rampage in, in Winnetka, walked into his house and, and held him and his mom and dad, he was 20 years old, home one day from spring break, held them hostage at gunpoint. And his mom, when she arrived, when Lori Dan arrived, he he said his very first lesson in the power of conversation he told me yesterday was to see how she responded when his mom treated her like she treats anybody else who would come to the house, which was kindly. Wow. It is, she reached out to Lori Dan, this, this person who, in the midst of this awful situation, treated her well. And, and in return, she responded in kind. That bought them time ended up um, allowing him to give it, get his parents uh, out of the house. Um, he ended up actually being shot in the end, quite, a, quite tragically. But he learned, even in a crisis situation, and this was one of the things that he worked on a lot as an FBI agent, was um, what, what he observed was the power of treating other people like human beings, even in a crisis situation, for them to respond positively to you in return. So even, even just outside of our normal day of life, even in more extreme situations, reaching out can have surprisingly positive effects. You know, that's fascinating too. I, I think, you know, some people talk about, you know, you put good out in the universe and good comes back to you. Yeah. Other people talk about karma, um, similar idea, right? 
psychologists might call this just reciprocity, right? It, it's, it it's is reciprocity. reciprocity. Yeah, like absolutely. We we just feel this urge when somebody's nice to us. We feel this urge. It's like it's just so hardwired into our species. We want to be nice back when people are nice to us. Generally, so. absolutely. Uh, right. Absolutely. When when you smile, the whole world smiles back at you. That is just the way it is. When you reach out to somebody else in a positive way, to have a conversation, to take a genuine interest in them, to express support when they when they need it, to pass along a compliment, to ask for help when you need it. How do people respond back yeah. positively in the way that you reached out to them? I was listening to but a podcast people- yesterday and the, a guy was talking about how he was trying to teach his children to basically be trusting in the world uh, so that people would trust him back. And so he gave the example. He was out like uh, in the rain. He was far from home and they they weren't going to be able to make it home on their bikes. So they decided to just knock on a on a random house to see if they could store their bikes there because mm-hmm. he was trying to teach the kids like there's good in the world. And uh, so they knock on a random door and and they ask, they keep the bikes and the person says, yeah, sure. And and then he says, okay, now I need to get a ride. I'm going to call somebody to get a ride to go back into London. And the random guy was like, no, let me take you into London. And I thought it was a cool way to teach his children, like this idea of uh, trust people. Of, of course, some people will take you for uh, a sucker. You know, it's it's not foolproof, but on average, you know, when we trust people or when we're nice to people, um, they reciprocate. Yeah. I think the alternative to think about is not what happens the few times where this doesn't work out when you reach out to other people is what's the alternative you don't trust people and never reach out to them. If you expect, if you always expect someone will take you as a sucker, you'll never find out that you're, that you're wrong. Uh, And that's a major cost too, missing those opportunities. I think the interesting thing about that, that our work suggests is that as powerful as we know reciprocity to be as psychologists, the intuitively out in the world, we tend not to appreciate the power of reciprocity. We underestimate it. Um, when I when I talk about this with the other people, when I give presentations on this work, one of the things I'll often note is that people seem to think about other people kind of like marbles. That is, you know, you they have some qualities to them, and you'll bring them together in the presence some of of some other person, and and those two things will just be sort of additive or something, they will just come together in some way. But in fact, people aren't like marbles, they're like magnets. When when one person reaches out to another person, that creates a force that pulls the other person to them. There's an interaction between people um, such that your behavior towards another affects how they behave in return. And that's just not something people's intuitions capture fully. And so we underestimate our own, our own power to uh to to create positive social interactions by reaching out positively in the first place so when in doubt reach out i think very cool metaphor of the marbles and the magnets okay nick i, I want to be sensitive to your time anything else uh, before we wrap up there's a second one uh which is um talk don't type so once you're actually engaging with somebody it turns out the way in which you engage with them the medium you use to connect with them matters a lot for the quality of the interaction Many tools that we have at our disposal now enabled by modern technology allows us really easy and efficient ways of communicating with other people that are really low in quality, that are really not very social at all. Uh, mostly they, they enable typing from one person to another person. 
But in our work, we find that that what's really rewarding in social interaction is actually hearing the sound of another person's voice. That's what draws people together. And it also reveals our minds more clearly to another person. So we sound smarter uh, and, and, and more, um, uh, more reasonable, more rational, more emotional when, when we talk to another person. We sound mindful, more mindful than when we just type to them. So when you're actually going to interact with somebody, choose a medium that's actually a meaningful uh, way to interact with another person. It's hard to get any closer to another person's mind than your voice. So I suggest using it. Yeah, talk, don't type. I, I love this as well. Just, um, let's see, 45 minutes before this call, uh, I reached out to my best friend all through childhood. And um, we found out a couple weeks ago that he found out that he had uh, cancer. Um, so I, I called him, you know, we, we had a great conversation uh, a week ago, and then he was going to the oncologist today to find out um, you know, what stage it was and, and to figure out a plan. And I heard that it was stage one and the prognosis is good and he'll have surgery soon. And, and, and I thought, well, it, you know, it's probably been a busy day for him. Um, he's probably had a lot of people talking to him. So I just sent him a quick text and, you know, like awesome news. So happy to hear about the prognosis. And he called me and we had a great five minute conversation. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to impose on him. Um, but I'm so glad that he called and we had a really nice, yeah. meaningful, emotional conversation that you don't get through text. So this is another thing uh, I will try to keep applying. And I love the mantra, uh, talk, don't type. So your your comment about not wanting to impose is another, it goes back to my, my first point. When you reach out to others in a positive way, it's typically not interpreted as an imposition, right? Think about how you feel when, you know, good buddy of yours calls you up on the phone to talk. You feel great, right? You feel great. Somehow we don't appreciate that that's how others respond to us when we reach out to them in that way. So, I mean, that kills me. Like, you you know, you, you share this lesson. It just shows like how slow I am and how slow we are as humans sometimes. We're like, uh, like, am I going to feel like I'm being imposed on if my best friend calls me to check on me? Like, yeah, right. Not. Yeah, of course not. What are you, an idiot? No, you're not going to feel that way. And yet we all do feel, oh, wait a minute. No, no, I don't want to be impolite. Person's probably busy. No, they'll be thrilled to hear from yeah. you. So when in doubt, reach out and talk, don't type. That's well, Nick, these are awesome lessons. I am just going to keep trying to apply them. I love the catchphrase as well because they're more memorable. They're more sticky. Uh, I'm going to pass these lessons along to my kids and my students. And again, just want to thank you so much for coming on today. It's been so great to chat with you. Absolutely, Nate. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. Nick Epley masterfully packaged two excellent lessons today that I hope to better apply. First, when in doubt, reach out. One of the most important determinants of happiness, well-being, and health is the quality of the connections we have with other people. Yet we systematically underappreciate how much we can benefit others and ourselves by being more social. As the saying goes, when we smile, the whole world smiles back at us. And when we reach out to others, people reciprocate in kind. We're more like magnets than marbles, and simply reaching out to others can have surprisingly positive effects, even in extreme circumstances, such as the hostage situation. Second, talk, don't type. Many of the tools we have today that allow us to easily and efficiently communicate with others are really low quality. 
When we talk with people, as opposed to texting or emailing, we sound smarter, more reasonable, more rational, more human. And it's also more rewarding psychologically. It's harder to get any closer to another person's mind than by hearing their voice. In summary, when in doubt, reach out and talk, don't type. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three quick requests. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's Notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. And finally, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thank you for all of your support.